Welcome to the Sonic Cloth Podcast. This is your boy Jamil. How you doing? How you living? I want to welcome you to round two of this little mini series we've got going on here. Today we're going to be scoping out some selections from the eastern parts of the African continent. So I've got 10 beautiful, gorgeous, irresistible tracks for you here from all over East Africa. So many of these are older cuts from the 70s and the 80s, but some of them are contemporary. And, you know, it kind of falls into two main buckets. We're either pushing the old sounds of the East into new territories. That's like a smaller bucket here. And the larger bucket is just... Uh, you know, tracks that are hanging on really close to that 70s and 80s tradition that have been unearthed by uh, these beloved reissue labels. And we're even going to be featuring some of the same labels that we hit on the last episode where we got into uh, some of the Western African material. So if you're new to the podcast and starting out here, I'd encourage you to go out and check out the previous episode. Just go one back, get the full West East experience here. Um, I'd also encourage you to check out two other episodes I did about music that originates from the eastern part of the world, broadly speaking. That would be episode number 22, which is about 70s and 80s eastern psychedelic nuggets uh, that originate from the east. And then also going way the fuck back to episode number four, which is a really early one that explores kind of, you know, the modern avant-garde that is rooted in music from the Levant, from North Africa, and also a little bit from Central Asia. So I got to get those plugs in. Uh, You know, I got to get that episode count up, you know. So, yeah, please uh, go back and listen to those if you've already been down that journey and you're still still with me. Uh, Can't tell you how much I appreciate it. So uh, back to the program, if you did listen to the last episode on West African music, you're going to recognize a few labels here. You're going to recognize Soundway, Awesome Tapes of Africa, and Analog Africa. I think those are the main ones. And again, some of these comps attempt to cover a particular regional style or scene across multiple artists. And then some of these comps are just kind of honing in on a, a single artist or collective. And that kind of really serves as a, a, you know, an entry point into bigger artist catalogs. And you also see the opposite thing here too, where the reissue labels are digging deep into old archival material and putting out these, you know, never heard or like scarcely heard before material out into the world. And I think that's particularly pronounced in Eastern Africa for some reason. Perhaps it's the lesser resourced part of Africa uh, if you were to just kind of like divide the continent in half. But, you know, that's just my hunch. Uh, I've got no data to back my ass up here. Um, there's a strict no data policy on this podcast. So I want to keep things short again and let the music do the talking. And you know, when I say that, what it really means, I end up talking for uh, much longer than I than I just warned about. But bear with me. I just got a few points that I got to get out here about kind of East African history and music in a very broad sense, you know, both from my own listening um, stuff I've picked up on and then maybe a little bit, little bit that I've uh, tried to study up on prior to recording this episode. So again, like West African music, we're talking about a deeply diverse swath of cultures and peoples that are shaped by all kinds of, you know, historical events, large migrations of people, uh, civilizations that have come and gone. And and furthermore, a lot of the, the compilations that are featured in this episode are really trying to document a region and a scene, um, which is, you know, a flashpoint in time, really. And, of course, that document can't possibly reflect 
the wider array of music from that scene's you know broader population and people whether that's within the context of of borders or you know people's very commonly who kind of stretch across borders and don't really pay them much mind and while some of the context of the west african episode was about the transatlantic slave trade and you know this musical dialogue between the diaspora and the homeland that exact massive you know world shifting event you know didn't really happen so much in the east but uh you know before you kind of bestow any good w wishes of like good fortune towards the the eastern part of africa uh, we probably shouldn't overlook the slave trades of the 17th century and onwards this time the Muslim Arabs and, and the Portuguese were selling East Africans into slavery via the Indian Ocean. They were ending up in the Middle East, uh, different parts of Asia, Eastern Europe even, and as well as other parts of Africa. And the estimates are around 17 million enslaved East Africans. And, and while the nature of this particular slave trade really differed from the transatlantic triangle, it was definitely a high impact and ongoing event that, that shaped much of the region. So that's definitely something to keep in mind here. The other thing I think that's a big thing to keep in mind is that East Africa has had a lot of contact with Arabic, Islamic, Indonesian, other uh, Southeast Asian and European cultures from really early on. Uh, Indian culture too, if I didn't mention that one. And there's a lot of evidence that East African culture shared you know, different musical ideas and expressions with Indonesia in particular. And that comes out in similar instrumentation between some of the cultures. The other really big influencer here, I think, is Arab, Indian, and Islamic culture. You know, mostly based on its proximity, uh, the Horn of Africa. And you can certainly hear that pronunciation in some of these songs, down to even Arab dialects being spoken. Of course, you, you know, you have influences coming out of the West in the form of, you know, blues, jazz, R&B, funk and rock styles as well. All that stuff was coming, coming across all the way to the East. Um, you also had African regional influences. Obviously, this is a massive one, um, you know, stuff playing out like South African styles in Tanzania and Kenya. Uh, rumba is really, really big in the Congo. You got disco and funk in Somalia and Sudan. Um, even Bollywood and 70s Indian styles are really bleeding over into the African continent. And then I think, you know, almost singularly, you have Ethiopia, which has truly held tight onto its like very rich, very beloved traditional music. And, and yeah, sure, there was tons of political strife in many parts of East Africa as a result of colonial treachery and, and setting these governments and countries up to fail. And most definitely this had an impact on the music that formed in these areas down to like people's ability to even create music or, or have to create in secrecy or in subversive ways. But, you know, pre-colonial traditions and values, they live on uninterrupted through the hardest uh, of times and sometimes they evolve. And, and that's also something to keep close here as we uh, run through these tracks. And, uh, you know, this is, of course, just a fraction of the storied and rich musical traditions from this part of the world. Of course, there are no fixed boundaries that separate West Africa from East Africa or even South or Central. Um, if you're just kind of, you know, comparing the West African playlist to this one, um, you know, I think you might be able to group together some commonalities and arrive at some loose distinctions. But again, none of this is set in stone. Things are a lot more fluid than uh, kind of what I'm getting at here. And, and when I listen to these compilations individually, I take them as a living document of music that, you know, I just feel so fortunate to be able to hear and respond to. 
And some of my absolute favorite musicians, albums, and songs are among these selections. And I think, you know, you can really come away from pitting distinctly West African music versus distinctly Eastern African music with a sense of like, oh, okay, I, I see what the vibe is here. Whether that be through, you know, musical identities, the melodies, different keys and scales, um, you know, the instrumentation, vocalizing, arrangements within the song. And every one of those musical qualities that speaks to you is, is really a, just a starting point for more of it. So I'd love to hear what kind of East African stuff that you're jamming on the regular. You can always hit me up at thesoniccloth at gmail.com or on Twitter or Instagram at thesoniccloth. I want to shout out listener Micah from Minneapolis, I believe, who wrote in um, a few weeks ago and shared some deep picks with me on, on African music as a whole and really put me onto this cool uh, local distributor in Minnesota of classical African vinyl. The name of the shop is Disco Death Records. Very cool stuff. I know Minnesota has a thriving East African population, so I'm sure they're not the only gem in that part of the country. Yeah, I think that's going to do it for me. Oh, I forgot to issue this warning on the last episode. Forgive any butchering of artist names and songs and locales. They are too numerous to count at this point. I think you just got to bear with me. This is some hard shit. <laughs> of course, I could be doing a lot more to, to really nail down these pronunciations. But, you know, only so much time in the day. I'm here for the music. So I think that's going to do it for me. Let's get into my selection of East African music. We are kicking this thing off with ground zero for my interest in East African music. The artist here is Hailu Mergia. The track is called Mbuwa Bay Lamitu. The compilation is Wede Harer Guzo. It's from 2016. The label is Awesome Tapes for Africa. And the country is Ethiopia. So I first heard Hailu on a radio show a few years back. And I was instantly transfixed. I mean... Hailu is one of the big artists who falls under the umbrella of uh, Ethio jazz, but he certainly transcends it as well. And I think Ethio jazz is a common starting place for a lot of people because it is one of the more visible and reissued and compiled styles of Ethiopian music. And, and kind of generically speaking, the genre just encompasses, you know, traditional Ethiopian music. Um, and it's very magical melodies uh, and, and a pentatonic scale um, with jazz. So a little background on Hailu. Uh, he hails from the capital of Ethiopia, Addis Ababa, and he was a childhood uh, accordion prodigy, actually. And eventually he found himself as the keyboard player of the Walias band who recorded and released cassette tapes primarily because Mengistu Haile Miriam's uh, dictatorship in Ethiopia prevented a lot of like nightlife from happening. Um, there were curfews from, I think, like midnight till 6 a.m. on the daily. So, you know, this really terrible regime also instituted a strict censorship policy, which dissected, you know, lyrical content from Ethiopian artists and demanded that this take the form of, of like government propaganda. Basically, if you're going to be writing lyrics, they got to be about, you know, the current Ethiopian government. And you better believe they're going to have to be some kind words. So, you know, the, the classic way of circumventing that from the Wallace band would be to just release instrumental music. And that's largely what they did. 
so by the time Hailu began assembling his own music outside of the context of that band, he was really at that point known nationwide in Ethiopia and was surveying what the locals of Addis Ababa were responding to musically. And, uh, you know, he would be shuffling um, really around with local musicians. And during this time, he recorded some absolutely legendary tapes. And that's where this one comes into the focus. So this really is just one of those legendary legendary releases. I mean, this is technically Hailu Mergia and the uh, Dalak band. And it showcases a much more soulful and smooth side um, of his now classic Ethiopian sound from the late 70s. And what's so special about this release to me anyway is that it conveys this beautiful group playing of jazz with sparse vocal melodies that I think, you know, lovers of traditional Ethiopian music would definitely recognize immediately. But the band is just building these wonderful grooves and weaving them to support these really familiar melodies, which do this thing in music that is so rare, but I always can't get enough of. And that's really just being able to translate both like a joyful and sorrowful emotion into the music simultaneously. And aside from having, you know, the instrumental feel for it, I just think Ethiopian melodies can elicit so much range of emotion. And, and this particular release and song just hones in on that, like, juxtaposition. So I throw this tape on, like, whenever I'm just lounging around the house, if I need to go, like, get stuff done, if I'm having people over. It just works in every context, and it's always so inviting, and I, it's so sublime as well. And I find it works so well when it's paired you know, if you need to throw something on afterwards with like a later era Alice Coltrane record, you know, kind of the, the period where she was deep into her like devotional kind of uh, phase. So this is a total gem that Awesome Tapes of Africa brought back in a big way. And it's high on my list of releases that I keep on the top shelf because I just find myself reaching for it like all the time. <laughs>
All right, this next one is by the artist Four Mars. That's the number four. The track is called Nadadihi or Guide Us. And the compilation is titled Sweet as Broken Dates, Lost Somali Tapes from the Horn of Africa. This came out in 2017. The label here is Ostinato Records, and the country is Somalia. Now, I cannot overstate how fucking killer this compilation is. I mean, I just can't. It hit my turntable in 2018 and uh, makes regular appearances back like ever since then. So I got this one from the uh, wonderful Ostinato label, along with another really, really successful comp of theirs. Um, one called Two Niles to Sing a Melody, The Violins and Synths of Sudan, which you better fucking believe made the track list. Uh, so, you know, we'll hold out for that one. But uh, the reason I mention this is because I just associate these comps with one another because, you know, they're on the same label. Um, I got them around the same time. Uh, they document musical scenes from the Horn of Africa. And they were just so huge in expanding my horizons beyond, you know, Ethiopian jazz, which really was, you know, the primary sub style of East African music that I was familiar and interested in. So Sweet as Broken Dates was really, I think, a runaway success for the Ostinato label. And I'd wager, you know, kind of put them on the map as uh, this was one of their earlier releases in the catalog. And what I would say is still like a pretty young label, like they, they've got a lot of life ahead of them. And, you know, I had never had much experience with Somali music prior to this comp. But I do have memories of visiting my family in Palestine and uh, seeing both Somali and Sudanese music on television being played. And I don't know like what the channel was, like why they were broadcasting music from uh, the Horn of Africa and the Middle East. But I do remember thinking to myself, man, this sounds like a not so distant cousin of some of the kind of like funkier um, Arab music that I was familiar with. But anyway, um, I'm going into this comp basically as fresh as anyone, uh, more or less. And I am just immediately floored by the otherworldly grooves, the poetry of the singing, the deep melancholy, the sultriness, the funkiness, uh, the disco vibes that come in every once in a while. And, and just everything about it spoke to me. And each track was, was really just banger after banger. I mean, it just leaves you thinking there's got to be a whole lot more than 15 banger tracks out there like waiting to be packaged up and transmitted to the rest of us. And Ostinato Records does a spectacular job of giving you the context and the story behind the artists, um, as well as this time period in Mogadishu in the 70s and 80s. And the journey in finding and releasing this music, I mean, that part of the story is so incredibly fascinating. And just, just reading that alone it unlocks so much context for, from you know, Mogadishu um, and this era of music. And let's just say that there is an absolutely phenomenal story that goes along with this comp and you just got to buy the record to read it for yourself. But, um, you know, if you, if you can't afford the record or if you're not looking to, to make the investment, um, I would say a good starting point is a companion video on YouTube, which serves as kind of like a mini documentary to this compilation. Um, the title of that video is Somali night fever. If you want to just throw that into YouTube and, and to understand what it took to save this music, from literal falling bombs during Somalia's civil war of the late 80s and how the musicians on this comp like persevered, I would say is worth the price alone. Like I think Ostinato puts it best here. I wrote this quote down. Uh, the archive offered a living window to the Mogadishu of the 1970s and 1980s when the coastal capital glistened as the pearl of the Indian Ocean. And as for this particular track, 
I'm I really could have blindfolded myself and picked any track at random, and it would serve ju- you know as just the powerful as an ambassador and getting you to check out this comp. But the one I selected here, the track Na Dahiri, I'm sorry, Na Da Dihi, is so bright instrumentally. It's also got this like kind of brooding thing happening as well, that juxtaposition that I like so much. And and it's just absolutely euphoric in its composition and playing. And yeah, I, I mean, with this comp, it just took so much dedication and work to complete this survey of like decades of Somali musical evolution. And I really do hope that there's more to come from Ostinato on this tip. But in the meantime, we have this top tier God mode comp. And I'll just say that this era of Somali music is so good that, uh, you know, we're going to have to double dip and come back to Mogadishu a little bit later.
Okay, this next one, the artist is Black Savage. The track is called Kothbiro. The compilation is called Black Savage as well. This is from 2018. Uh, the label is Afro 7 Records, who I had never heard of before. And the country of origin is Kenya. So, and I hate to start things off this way, but <laughs> here we have a track which I think has attained a uh, heightened level of status due to it being sampled on a Kanye West track. Uh, I didn't really bother to check out which one of his tracks sampled it. Um, and I don't know the man's discography like that at all. So, you know, you're going to have to do your own Googling if, if you care about that kind of thing. And, and it's kind of unfortunate that, you know, the most amount of information that I could find uh, and turn up on the internet was about like the Kanye sample and not the original track. So I don't have much background to give you on the artists here. All I really know is that this group, Black Savage, released this track um, and another one titled Grassland in 1976 on a 7-inch single, um, as well as a bunch of other singles. That's just where this particular track comes from. And the label Afro 7 Records put a comp out in 2018 that collected... A lot of material from this group, maybe like 12 or so tracks, if I remember correctly. And I don't think this is a very typical um, East African record, to be honest. It's got a, definitely a lot of like clear psych and funk influences coming from the American 70s scene. Um, I think that there is a bit of a high life thing going on in this track, too. But I don't know. This this is just like an instant hit of psychedelic soul that is sung in the uh the Luo language um, of the Luo people in Kenya. But again, I don't have a whole lot of information here. It's not really needed. I just knew I had to feature this track because it just doesn't get any smoother than this. Like seriously, throw this track on anywhere and uh, you will be rewarded.
So we are back in the loving arms of Ostinato Records with the companion piece to that Sweetest Broken Dates comp that I was talking about earlier. Here the artist is Majzub Unsa. The track is, oh, and I'm going to wreck this, but, you know, I get to channel a little bit of my Arabic here. I'm, I might not wreck it as bad as I can. Uh, arayad, Arayad Ya Ahal, which means love, love, family. Of course, the Sudanese dialect is not something that I'm familiar with at all, so I, I, I probably still butchered that one. Anyway, the comp here is two Niles to sing a melody, the violins and synths of Sudan. This is 2018. Like I said, Ostinato Records. And really all of the praise that I heaped on the Sweetest Broken Dates comp, I could equally apply to this one. There is an incredible backstory, more of that immaculate contextualizing, um, so much reverence given to the artists, Absolutely beautiful packaging and, uh, you know, restoration of the original like cassette tape archives. And and what I didn't realize was that this era of Sudanese music was really among the most beloved of all of Africa. And, and this particular comp gives us a glimpse into the artistry and songs of Sudan's capital Khartoum, a vibrant and really endlessly resilient East African city that experienced, you know, coups, uh, hardline theocratic government takeovers, like all that shit. So what this comp documents is the music that was filling the homes, cafes, and markets prior to the strife of 1989. And some of that music prominently featured synthesizers and violins, like as the title would suggest, and also accordions. And I think that this gave the music a, a little bit of that Near Eastern tinge that uh, spread to the Arab world and beyond. And maybe that's why I, Sudanese music was played um, on, on different Arabic musical channels, like even, even in like modern times when I would go visit. I don't know. So what we have here is like traditional Sudanese melodies and motifs mixed with uh, Western R&B music, as well as like Caribbean styles that kind of shape some of these songs as well. There's a little bit of reggae in there as well. I think what you end up here is less funky than the Sweet as Broken Dates comp. There's less of those like hard kind of like bass and drum funk grooves but it is no less mesmerizing and like somalia you know the format of choice in the 70s and 80s was cassette tape so uh that is where so much of this glorious east african music is sourced from within these comps and reissues i was actually looking through the Bandcamp page um for this album and i like to read the reviews that people leave from those of us that like buy the actual uh, physical or digital media and i came across a really nice anecdote from from one of the reviewers that i think is so much better than any like uh you know music blog like any of the big ones that reviewed this album <laughs> like I, I i just want to share this with you all because i think it demonstrates how intimately communal this era of music is for sudanese people in the diaspora so the reviewer says Every Sudanese household has a box of cassette tapes from yesteryear. These tapes go everywhere with us. They get sunbaked in our cars, fuzzed out from too much dubbing, traded deadhead style with other families. All of those songs are on this compilation. They are the sound of the Sudanese diaspora, the Ramadan gatherings, park barbecues, breakfasts, long drives to see the only other Sudanese families around. They were our connection to our home. And now you can all share that connection with us. 
And I just think that's so fucking great. Like, I'm just going to start sourcing reviews of uh, from Bandcamp pages because I think people who really connect with the music find it to be like a, a perfectly great spot to put, you know, their feelings towards the album. You know, it's in the very same place that you would go to check out the album, purchase it and whatnot. But yeah, um, you know, this track in particular that I selected is really the highlight of the album for me. I love the strings or or the synth. You know, I'm not really sure which it is. It sounds like synth to me, but I just can't be certain. Um, some of these, you know, tape transfers, uh, you know, don't make it too clear whether it's like an organic instrument or, uh, you know, a synthesizer. But they remind me so much of classical Arabic music, um, along with the singer, this just sits so close to home for anyone who grew up on like old Arabic tapes. But I don't want to harp too much on the similarities because this is very much its own distinct style and approach. It's just got that little familiar, comfy home feel for me. So I'm going to be a little bit biased in my selection. But yeah, this track is just so hypnotic and rhythmic. The melodies are, are stunning. And when the group vocals come in at the end of the track, it is one of those absolutely perfect moments in music. Oh, my God. 
All right, next up we have Bongwana Star. The track is Shig. This is from an album, not a compilation. Uh, the album is called From Kinshasa. This is, came out in 2015 on the label World Circuit. And this comes from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. So Bangwana Star are a group from uh, Kinshasa, Congo. And two of the members came from an older group called Staff Benda Belili, who were a popular Congolese group that were fronted by uh, wheelchair-bound musicians who were exposed to polio as children and had also created their own instruments out of the, the you know junk and scrapyards. And man, I just, I swear, virtually... Every African artist I've covered on these episodes has had like a wild ass story and, and just like unimaginable perseverance. Like the, that is just a common thread uh, amongst so many of these artists. Anyway, like so many other uh, tracks on these last two episodes, I had little or no reference points or familiarity um, for Congolese music. And this was no different. I think the only thing I'd heard previously were, you know, some of those Congotronic albums from earlier in the 2000s. Um, which I really remember liking, but I just had not like dug those back up in quite some time. So, you know, consider me a, a, a fucking certified idiot here. And I honestly don't know where I heard about Bangwana Star and this album in particular, but it's stuck with me for several years now, ever since I heard it. I just can't place where I first heard it. And, and this is uh, an example of a modern recording by a pretty modern band that is comprised of both, you know, older and younger musicians from the Congo. And it's fair to say that this album is, is really doing a whole lot. I mean, you'll hear it in this track, but you've got, you know, Congolese rumba. You've got these tripped out electronic touches, I think, from, from collaboration with, the, with a producer who's uh, non-Congolese. You've got this like very dubby production and these effects that remind me of like King Tubby. You got these crazy fast guitar runs that come in. I love the guitar work on this track so much. It's just such a cool style of playing. And and seemingly like you get all these like really punchy noises that are just coming from every direction. I mean, this is a very produced track, kind of chaotic. And this is uh, psychedelic in the modern sense where, you know, I think the studio is really heavily responsible for that trippy vibe, but it's just so creative. This is such forward thinking music and it is so daring in its melding of this tripped out futuristic instrumentation combined with these traditional Congolese vocalizing and singing. Yeah, it's just it's just steeped in Congolese tradition, but it's very daring. Like I said, it's very futuristic too. The grooves are amazing. And yeah, I just think this is really, really exciting music that is coming out of the Congo right now. Ah ouais 
going back to Somalia. The artist here is Durdur Band. The track is Al Bahali Laulau. The comp is Durdur Band Volume 1 and Volume 2 and previously unreleased tracks. This came out in 2018. And the label here is Analog Africa. So I think it's safe to say that, you know, within East African music, Durdur Band are an institution at this point. I mean, they might be the most successful invisible group from, you know, the golden era of Mogadishu. And I love this group because they're fully representative of traditional Somali music, but capable of delivering it via, you know, like hard funk, R&B and soul, disco, kind of more Indian and Arabic influenced rhythms too. And the group is just deeply soulful at all times. So uh, what we're hearing here is material from the group's first two albums that were released in 1986 and 1987. And there's also a rotating, uh, you know, cast of vocalists throughout this collection. So you get a real diversity of vocal stylings that suit the tracks. And I chose this song because this is one of the hardest funk groups I think I could possibly point someone to. The way it sits in the pocket is just phenomenal. The bass and drums hit so hard. I love the minor key groove here too. It's just really trance-like and the synths and horns are just so gritty um, and, and I think really drive the track into a groove that you just never want to end. The, the other thing that I really love about the song is the call and response vocals. They're just absolutely great. And I don't know, this just this might sound dumb, but the, these grooves just sound so ancient and profound to me. So yeah, not much to say. This is a very special track that uh, I love so much and yeah it's just the tip of the iceberg for the Durder band mm-hmm. 
we are headed back to Kenya for a legendary comp. The artist here is Mbiri Young Stars. The track is called Indiri and Donigio Niwe. The comp is called Kenya Special, selected East African recordings from the 1970s and 80s. This came out in 2013 on Soundway Records. And I've known about this comp for a while. Um, it's just one of those African comps you see floating around a lot online and even sometimes in like record stores, mostly as a CD. And, and maybe it's just because those Soundway comps just kind of get around a little bit better or something, maybe better distribution. But anyway, this comp is made up of 32 tracks of rare Kenyan music that really spans the gamut of styles, sounds, and fives. This is a mega comp. So most of this stuff really only ever came out on 7-inch singles, so extremely hard to find stuff unless you're one of those uh, crate-digging people who you know, travel the world to uh, perpetuate their hobby. I'm thinking most of us are don't fall into that category. And not everything here is even Kenyan, um, although the, the title would have you believe that. Because um, a lot of artists from surrounding countries came to Kenya to record during this time. And, and Kenya's really big contribution to, you know, popular music, East African music, and then the greater continent of African music was the genre of benga. And I believe the track that I selected falls into that camp. But, you know, don't get like too pissed off at me if it's not, because there's not a whole lot of info out there um, about this particular group, the Mbiri Young Stars. But based on the description and other benga that I've heard, I think that it fits. It's got that really fast... Um, upbeat tempo it's got those really like fast and quick like bright guitar licks and it, and it also incorporates the influence of, of cuban dance music and this track i picked it because it's just so bouncy it's easily i think the most danceable thing on here it's so immediate and infectious the vocal melodies are outstanding and the skeletal approach to the groove is just magic. I mean, I, I especially love when everything kind of scales just back to the drums, the bass, and the guitar, and then builds back up again. But yeah, I just chose this purely because it's just a total fucking jam.
All right, the artist on this one is Siti Muharram. The track is called Nyuki. The album is called City of Nguja, Romance Revolution on Zanzibar. This is not a compilation. Rather, it is a modern recording. So this is just an album that was put out in 2020 on the On the Corner uh, label. And the country is Zanzibar. And you didn't think I'd, I'd leave out Zanzibar, right? Not possible. You gotta have Zanzibar in here. And this is an album that my buddy Matt actually put me onto a couple years back. Like I said, it's a, it's a modern release, but the music echoes way back to uh, Siti Muharram's great grandmother, um, a woman named Siti Binti Saad, who is known as the mother of Tarab, a style of music from the Swahili coast um, that originates in the 19th century and and really combines you know Egyptian classical music, certainly Indian music as well as traditions of uh, uh, music from Zanzibar, Tanzania, and Kenya. So this style of music was really brought back and reinvigorated by women in the first half of the 1900s, which is where Siti Muharram's grandmother really comes into the story. And, you know, I, I didn't know a whole lot about Zanzibar other than, you know, the fantastic name. But Zanzibar is an island off of the East African coast in the Indian Ocean, and, and it really functions as an autonomous part of Tanzania. And this project from Siti Mohamed seems to be very much a reflection on uh, Tarab music. And it's definitely like in reverence to it, but I think also expanding its sonic traditions into other territory. Definitely getting like less formalized, I would say groovier. And then also just having these like, uh, you know, clear touches of jazz music. 
And of course, you have a very clean and bright modern production here. So this entire album is just phenomenal. Um, it, it's such a mystical, uh, deep, and gorgeous album. And and of course, it's all anchored in Siti Muharram's uh, deep, powerful, very emotive singing. And I just wanted to feature something that pulls from sounds that originate eastward, but you know, do so in an organic way. Zanzibar culture is is really an amalgamation of so many different backgrounds, including Persian, Arab, Indian, and African. So this gem of an album represents a sound you may not have expected from East Africa. I mean, shit, I definitely didn't. And yeah, this is just just an absolute gem of an album. Could have picked any track off of it. But I think this one really anchors everything that Siti Muharram does into, you know, a single track.
All right, the artist here is Keith Mlevhu. The track, and, and forgive me on this one, is Zicolino Nizambia. This is off the comp, Welcome to Zamrock, How Zambia's Liberation Led to a Rock Revolution, Volume 1, 1972 through 1977. And this one came out on Now Again Records. So this comp from Now Again is really a, a great extension, I think, of the more famous Nigerian Afro-Rock scene where um, African musicians were pulling from stuff like Jimi Hendrix, Brown, a lot of, you know, 70s British blues rock. And I think this is where you get the term Zamrock from. It's basically like funky rock stylings from Zambia from the 1970s. And I, and I featured, you know, an Afro rock track on the previous episode, um, uh, West African Gems. And, and I think it's here that you get a little bit of a darker shade of the rock and R&B world being explored, um, complete with these really, really awesome, uh, super fuzzed out guitars and bass. And actually, two of the most well-known Zamrock bands um, are Gozi Family and Witch, um, in all caps. And, and, and they have all had their like shine via you know the African reissue craze. But I wanted to pick something a little bit different. I wanted to pick this track from Keith Mlevhu because it's it, it stands out to me because it's got this almost like Anatolian or like Spanish style uh, chord structures, you know, kind of a flamenco kind of uh, chord progression. And then this guy was pretty popular in Zambia in the 70s, I came to learn when I kind of researched him a little more. But yeah, I, I, I picked this pretty much because I love the lead guitars on this. I love the tone. They're just so crunchy, so fuzzed out. And in my opinion, this rocks as hard as anything from the Nigerian scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
we have hit the conclusion of our journey into the musical gems of East Africa in this two-part series. So the artist here is Elameyehu Esheti. The track, oh, this is a rough one, is Teradechewelehu. <laughs> that was got to be so wrong. And the comp is Ethiopics 10, Tezita, Ethiopian Blues and Ballads. This came out in 2002. The label here is Buddha Music. And if you hadn't guessed already, the country of origin is Ethiopia. So we are ending things back off in Ethiopia, right where we started with some absolutely classic Ethio jazz by the Ethiopian Elvis himself, Alameyehu, Esheti, and Darje. And I think what I'm really trying to do here is open up the rabbit hole that is the Ethiopic series, which is a legendary series of CDs that introduced so much like of the non-Ethiopian and non-African world to uh, you know this particular world of Ethiopian music from the 1960s and 1970s. I think some of the comps feature more modern stuff too, but predominantly it's like this golden era of Ethiopian music that this series really showcases. So this series was created by uh, Buddha Music, which is a French world music label. It started off in 1997, and there are something like 30 releases in this collection. So this is a super deep well that is still being discovered in mind to this day. Um, if you just want like a modern day example, listen to the 2022 Billy Woods album, Ethiopes, which has at least, I think, a couple of samples from earlier entries into the series. Um, also, you should just listen to that record because it's Billy fucking Woods and the best album of 2022. And I bring that up because I, you won't ever see me doing a year end list on this podcast. Nothing against the practice itself or people who do it. But just because I'm such a voracious consumer of these lists myself, I could just never like formalize my own list between like, you know, plotting out these episodes and my own like manic cataloging. There's just no way I could get my shit together to do it. So I, I just don't bother. But anyway, back to the program. What I'm trying to say is that the well is deep for this Ethiopic series. And I, I really just ended up choosing a track that I think is one of the most soulful and haunting tracks that I've ever heard. And this track comes from volume 10, which explores Tizita, a style of Ethiopian music that's characterized by a lot of improvisational singing and even Arabic style vocal phrasing. And the word Tizita means memory. And I just love how longing and deep um, Esheti's singing is here. And to me, this just sounds like the blues. I mean, the playing is so expressive throughout the verses, and it just adds so much to like the very kind of brooding vibe here. And I think this is a great spot to end things in a way because I think you can broadly look at East African music and find a lot of examples of, you know, these more minor key and melancholic approaches to the music. And sure, you can get that from West African music too. You can get it from music like anywhere in the world. Like just put, just put your finger on the map and like dig hard enough and you'll get it. But there's just something about the East African stuff that, I don't know, just gravitates towards that emotional plane. And, you know, as like a sad sack piece of shit, like I am definitely here for it and that is where i tend to gravitate to you know i go to the west for the funk and i go to the east for like the ballads and i don't know that may be a simplistic way of, of looking at things but if i were to just kind of like put down a thesis statement on paper i think that's probably what i'd put down 
All right, so we're going to go out on this uh, really beautiful ballad. I hope I've been able to turn you on to some some dope African stuff here. Please let me know all the cool shit that I missed. And please send me South African and Central African gems if you've got them. I'd love to revisit the continent on a future episode. I just don't know enough about those particular um, you know, geographic regions of, of the continent to, to put anything of quality out. And that is going to do it for us. As always, please rate the podcast. Uh, my review count has been stuck at the same number for an extremely long period of time. So yeah, just, just leave a review. It could be five words long. I don't fucking care. Say something. Say it sucks. I don't care. Who are you? You miserable presumptuous no talent. You're no artist. An artist respects the silence. It serves as the foundation of creativity. You obviously don't have the talent. You don't have enough respect for yourself or other people or what it is to express yourself. In music, really in the form of creativity. And I'm an NYU film school graduate, sucker, and the School of Visual Arts and the Academy of Art University in San Francisco. You suck. As always, thanks for listening, and I promise to be back here soon with a new episode at the start of the new year. Fingers crossed. I've already got it recorded. Just got to uh, edit this one. This is going to be a bit of a different episode format-wise. Um, that I'm hoping kind of translates to a little bit more of like a free form style for this podcast. I mean, I'm not married to anything. This podcast could completely change up its format. In fact, I think it's probably about time that I do something a little bit different. So excited to see where that one goes. But yeah, hope everyone has a good holiday season and new year. And I will see you on the other side. Bye. Thank you.
Yeah, I'm here, Eric, man. 